let's finish it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. This show is about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. This episode that we have today is one of those ones where I don't know if it's a Tiger interview series. I don't know if it's a closing pitch. I have decided and went with our closing pitch just because I think we're going to talk a little bit about culture, but we're also going to be getting deep diving into um, the specifics of injuries as well as health. Um, I think this is going to be a fascinating episode. Um, it's one of those episodes where I, I, I'm afraid to do the intro to where it's all about health because then they're going to end up a listener will be like, oh, no, we're going to talk about some boring stuff. Like, no, this is not going to be boring. This is going to be very entertaining. I have a supplement for you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have two individuals that I highly respect. um, And the conversations that we have during lunch um, and dinners and whenever we have a few drinks, they're they're really good conversations, wholehearted conversations. And I'm really excited to bring you two and introduce you guys to our audience. So the first guest that we have is Dr. Ravi Yadava, and then we have the lovely Amy Morio with us. And first off, give us, your, give us a little bit a brief intro for you guys so that they can understand who you are and why this show is going to be important. So whoever wants to go first... Spiker, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know the intro. The intro is such a stressful situation it's because a, there's so much you could say. There, there, and there's there's a lot to be said. Let, let's keep it simple. I'm a I'm a, a first generation son of an Indian immigrant born in Belleville. Um, I had three choices in life. I wanted to be a drummer. That was not a choice. It's a, no, it's pronounced doctor. <laughs> and so, long story short, I. Uh, I have, I've had a, a very uh, enormous past in esoteric healing and other things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things happened and ultimately brought me to becoming a physiatrist and then some additional training, fellowship level training and other things to where I do all things non-surgical. Okay. That's, I guess, me in a nutshell. Physiatry is... Physical medicine and rehabilitation. It's a it's a specialty that came about after World War II when our veterans were coming back without limbs. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually, I guess you could say, RIC, our, our Rehabilitation Institute in Chicago, maybe arguably the uh, the impetus and the, the big progenitor of my great specialty, which is designed on functional restoration. You have a spinal cord injury, you lose a limb, um, you have a brain injury, um, you're not performing well for whatever reason, you have a neuromuscular disease. Mm-hmm. My specialty is very vast, but my practice is neuromusculoskeletal medicine and performance and regenerative medicine with stem cells. You know? And I want to get deeper into that because that's literally, that's like had a huge box and I want to like just take everything out and just figure out everything. Let's bring but it before out. I do that, yeah? we got to introduce Amy. Absolutely. So Amy... Give us a little bit of background who you are, and then um, because I feel like um, he's Iron Man and you are, um, what's the character? Pepper's Potts. Yes. She's my my Pepper's Potts. She's my Maribin. Amy is like ultra nurse, and the only thing missing her is a cape. And I'm going to get her a cape. Let's win if things keep up, yes. And you, you being able, I, I wish people could see like the inner workings of your office 
it just seems like you are literally, you know everything that's happening, which is fascinating to me. So give us a little bit of background on you so then people know who you are and what you bring to the conversation. So I was his first hire. I um, have worked for him for, it'll be 24 years now this year. Um, I initially worked as an RN for him um, when he opened his practice and then my, my professional life just grew from there. When he opened his private practice, I became his practice administrator and still stayed in the clinic. And then um, several years later, I got my nurse practitioner so I could also see patients on my own. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. All right. Yeah. So physiatry. Yes. Big word. Yes. Strong word. And dumb it down to like literally the basics of it. What it, I, I see, I see it as there's an ortho, there's a chiropractor, and then you're in the middle. Is that correct? It's actually more than that. Um, yeah, physio- you know, I'm an osteopath, as you know, too. So mm-hmm. okay. uh, chiropractic got started out of uh, osteopathy. I'm a very, big, very big believer body work. But uh, uh, the way I say it to people, it's like a neurologist and a non-operating orthopedic surgeon smushed. Okay. So my orthopedic brothers do surgery very, very well. Their ability to do rehabilitation, the functional things, see the esoteric things and work with those other great professionals, trainers, therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, other people are, are limited, I believe, because that's not the way they're trained. So I'm trained from day one in our residency to work with a team mm-hmm. and to, hey, physical therapists, you can't put energy in this. They don't have the neurological reserve to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Let's get this kind of race or that. And so physiatry is all about function. That's the best way you can think of it. It's an it's a kind how of the a body functions. Is that what yeah, you're saying? That's it. Okay. How how do I get you? I want to play basketball. I have a spinal cord injury. I'm a T five. Okay, here's how we do it. Here's the kind of wheelchair you'll need. You have this kind of function because of your level of injury, mm-hmm. and we get it done. So physiatry is a, such a great thing because it's like I don't care what your impairment is. Mm-hmm. What do you need to do? What do you need? What do you have to do? What do you want to do? We'll help you. We'll figure it out. You need a myoelectric arm? We'll figure it out. But like in my world, mine is about helping people heal maximally mm-hmm. and most importantly, teach them and empower them to not get injured and teach them how a body works. Because unfortunately in medicine, nobody takes the time to teach how your body works. And mm-hmm. then, then unfortunately you become uh, subject to fads, personalities, different forms of things, all kinds of theories of every variety. And it's hard to navigate that if you're a consumer, if you're a parent looking out for your kid mm-hmm. in their future. And so uh, physiatry is a good uh, profession, I believe, to to uh, start a journey. And that's where I'm, I've been on this kick where you go into, um, I'm a patient, I go into a medical office, and then I n- I'm not on a level playing field because... The doctor knows he's a huge expert in this area and I'm not an expert in that area and I have an injury and I, the only thing that I want to do is I want to get back onto the field. And my biggest issue is when kids end up getting a surgery or they end up going down the path that they shouldn't gone. And I was just talking to a player today um, and he has to, he's going to go through PT and doing all, doing all that stuff to get back onto the field. But it's very tempting just to say, all right, let's cut them up. Let's, let's do something right now so that we can get them back onto the field in six months rather than having a 70% type of player on the field and still battling injury. 
So my question for you is, because this is going to set up the the foundation, what are the what are the things that people need to understand what before they go into that office so that they have some firepower and have some type of knowledge and making sure that, okay, is this guy really telling me the truth? Besides Dr. Google, trust your heart. If it doesn't make sense, it probably doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But you brought up a point earlier. So chiropractor and everything and then surgeon, Mm -hmm. where do you line that spectrum? This is exactly it. You know, uh, the point of engagement for healing and health is what it is. But what I provide is, well, I'm board certified in electrophysiologic medicine, as most or a lot of physiatrists are, nerve studies. So we can sit there and figure out exactly what's happening physiologically and then get a better non-surgical plan. When you say physiologically, you mean movement? What's movement co- patterns? Not just movement patterns. If there's a neurologic deficiency, if there's, if you have- So name it, name, it, have a, name a neurological tunnel, deficiency. Like a cubital tunnel, because we're talking about upper extremities. Let's talk about cubital tunnel syndrome. What people get into Tommy John surgery for, okay? And so- why does that occur? There's a reason why it occurs. There's a way to train people not to. Mm-hmm. Now, if you write in your script, evaluate and treat as an orthopedic surgeon, you better be hoping you got somebody that's great. And not all people are equally trained or have the same theories. And so having a more precise non-surgical program will yield a better result. Not only that, it will yield a more empowered uh, client. They will then navigate the hoo-ha and say, that don't make sense. How is that changing the stress to my elbow? And they'll be able to look through and navigate themselves better. So I think physiatry provides, or at least my practice, the way we do, we empower people through, here's how your body's working. Here's what you want to do. You tell me you want this. Here's why you can't do it right now. And we just objectify it. Do you, do you, think, do you think it's because the words are pretty complicated? Like... I mean, physiatry. I didn't know what physiatry was until I started. I think that's the main problem. Even primary cares don't know physiatry. And so a primary care has somebody come in, they injured their knee, they injured their shoulder, they automatically send them to ortho. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows about physiatry, which is really the first place, especially young kids and athletes should start because like he will share later, anatomy doesn't equal physiology. Right. Why did the rotator cuff tear occur? You can surgerize it, but figure out why it happened or you're going to be predisposed to have it happen again. Well, and that's why I like chiropractors. Like Tarasenko's shoulder, again. Yeah, yeah. cuz like I li- I really love chiropractors cuz they they seem like they take a more holistic approach. That's it. You know what? And that's that stems from the osteopathic principle as well. That's the one of the tenets of philosophy is osteopathic. Osteopathic. Right. Explain. explain. Uh, osteopathy, a doctor of osteopathy. American product, Northeast Missouri, born in Kirksville by AT still, okay. MD surgeon. Uh, deeply spiritual guy anyways long story short come to find out that he felt in God's infinite wisdom the body could heal and all we're doing is imposing ourselves on it Civil War medicine at that time hardly scientific so we're talking so we're talking we're talking, of, we're talking Civil War oh yeah type of time frame yeah. in yeah. Kirksville Missouri yes no way oh Samuel Clemens was one of his clients <laughs> he became super famous it was osteopathy grew like crazy and it, 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 that's so, a whole different okay topic. so and then Palmer's was a fella going up down 63, going up to the quad cities and selling his wares. And it's a very romantic story. So you're saying <laughs> that it's the belief that the body can heal itself. But, and there is a way a body dysfunctions. And when the body is not in balance, there are restrictions that occur that prevent 
lymphatic flow that take away waste products, mm-hmm. that constrict neurovascular bundles, things that deliver nutrients. And, and uh, there's other things that can occur physiologically, mechanically, that can further these constrictions that then set the stage for potential disease and dysfunction. Mm. And so a balanced body is everything. And so this is the basis, you know, um, uh, you know, a balanced approach to everything's important. I'm, we're osteopaths. We're not against surgery. We're not against medicines. But things need to be utilized in an appropriate fashion. You think? Don't so treat an MRI, man. Treat a physical exam. The best, the best way to think about it is that the surgery is putting the cart before the horse. Is that the like if well, you say if surgery just, right away? Well, here's what I get. Here's what I'm saying. I get a lot of people from around the world, friends and other people. Was like. Here's the MRI. Do you think I should go do the surgery? Yeah. And I go, I cannot endorse anything. That's a very personal question. Surgeries are not without risk. If I can't feel it and examine it, I can't give an opinion. Uh, I just can't. And I think that's why we fail. If you look at the statistics, uh, us against the next seven developed Western world, mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our outcomes for spine surgery and orthopedics is awful because we treat MRIs. We treat, oh, there's a meniscus here. But are they falling? Is it symptomatic? Because, as you know, because you know me personally, mm-hmm. I've got no nothing, man. Mm-hmm. It, but I do great. You wouldn't know it. So I think we're overwhelmed with treating physiology and trying to make everyone straight and make every knee look whatever or clean it up instead of just focusing on function and, and, and maximizing mechanics, saying, what are the weight-bearing forces going through that joint? Yeah. Is this person accommodating it? Are they substituting that's where, that's where the finesse of real sports medicine and managing uh, problems occur. And I don't think it's being attended to. I can't tell you how many people, after their great surgery from whatever, wherever, they re-injure. Mm-hmm. They re-injure because there is a finesse to rehabbing. And the way you look at how a body works, and like my chiropractic brothers, we look at bodies in chains. Like today, we're going to talk about upper extremities. Mm-hmm. Upper extremities, not just your shoulder, man. It's your neck, your shoulder, your elbow, your wrist, your hand. It's a chain. And if one link in that chain is not functioning well, you don't have to think. The body's going to adjust on its own. That's God-given. It's just innate. Mm-hmm. The body will adjust like my spinal cord patients. They get it done. An area becomes really tight and restrictive. It serves as a, a way for them to walk again because now they got this restriction they can walk with. Well, it's going to they're going to it's going to draw from if they if you're wanting a result, so say if I'm throwing 95 miles an hour, yeah. and something goes wrong where I'm either tight in certain areas before I throw, it's gonna basically recruit different body parts. That's the whole thing with this whole spider tack thing where I want I need to grab the baseball if it slips out of my hand. I have more tightness in my forearm because I can't grab onto the ball. Like I don't know if you guys are familiar I, with what's going on with I've Major been going through with my niece right now. Yeah, and she pitches. And she's at college. She's got a scholarship, and I'm I'm going through it right now. And she's got an ulnar nerve. Mm-hmm. It's there. There. There are so many things. And my point, Spiker, is if if you work in a way to where people, you know, like medicine has got so subdivided. Oh, I'm a shoulder ortho. I'm an elbow ortho. I'm a wrist ortho. You know, it's gotten so subdivided. Well, and it, the same thing's happening in training. Would you say it's niche? It's too niche. I, I yes. I absolutely believe that. I believe people have lost finesse of looking at the entire kinetic chain because hyper-specialization. No question. Yeah, I would, I would almost agree with that. I, yeah. I, I defy anybody to say I'm wrong. So then, 
I can't I can't say you're wrong because no 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 <laughs> I don't have the knowledge base you do no your audience your audience come, come I can make this con- I can make this conversation super interesting I disagree with you the yeah. one thing I think it's important to go back to your initial question was yeah. do versus MD mm-hmm. and I think people fail to realize that DOs get full MD training plus they get additional training in manual medicine so it's not something lesser for whatever reason there's been something a misnomer more. out here that DOs are lesser than MDs. It's not true. DOs. DOs. Re- explain DOs. What? Doctor of Osteopathy. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. I so the initials DO versus MD. Okay. Perfect. Now, Eastern and Western medicine, I'm yeah. very interested in because sports medicine, you never, it, there's never a conversation on this. It's mm-hmm. always, oh, it's sports medicine. But in every other medical conversation, it's Eastern and Western. What's better? What works? You, you can go over to Japan and then uh, I forgot what area it is where they, ha- is it, I forgot what island it is, but they, the people live to like they're a hundred. Like that's the average. Yeah, Okinawa. Oh, I thought. Okinawa. Okinawa. Yeah, Okinawa. Okinawa. Yeah. 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 And with sports medicine, why aren't we not having this conversation of Eastern versus Western? Well, I got to tell you, that's incredibly great. Cause I told you my, my background is large. It began in Eastern, mm-hmm. uh, in Ayurvedic medicine. And uh, I developed my hands quite a bit. And I could learn how to heal my hands. I didn't know what I was doing, to be quite honest, till other experiences. But there is great value. And to ignore the fact that there are bioelectric uh, currents and uh, streams in our body that interact in a way, I think is kind of foolish. I don't think acupuncture is such a great scan that it could exist for over millennia. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was bogus. And it's not because I know it because I've learned it and I, I incorporate it. But mm-hmm. what I found is some of these esoteric forms of healing that I learned are great and I can modulate symptoms. I could, I could make things better. I could minimize the need for medications, but I could not get sustenance, the performance. And I, my goal is to be obsolete. If I'm doing my job well, you don't need me. I taught you well. Go mm-hmm. on, Jedi. You know? Mm-hmm. And so... I found with these esoteric techniques, though I value them, and they help me with my injection techniques, I could not get performance. I need this guy to throw a fastball for four innings this way. Okay, I couldn't get it through that. So there's a bridge, and that's what I wanted my practice to be, from the esoteric to the scientific, because neither is the complete truth. And then if you really want to be specific and treat that client, each individual is truly an individual, mm-hmm. and that's where genetics matters. Sometimes you, you, you just can't beat your genetics. And so first, looking at things reasonable, what substrate am I working with, and then what, what am I working with here? Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, if you don't get an a, a athlete here and here, mm-hmm. it's going to confuse yeah. them. Well, I see that with just them trying to get – we were talking about that today. Like how many players in our organization really want it? Like want it, want it to a point where I'll do anything that I that I'm gonna do. Right? If it makes sense to him to want it more, is my point. Yeah, like if you if you have an, if you, if anyone's wondering how a player should really like want it is I don't know if you see that saw the clip. Garrett Cole pitched a complete game last night, 129 pitches, which is that's a lot of pitches for right. a major league pitcher. And Aaron Boone, the manager of the New York Yankees, comes out and he's about to pull him in the ninth with two outs. I think it was two outs, one out. Maybe, I don't know. Someone's going to say it was. you're completely wrong. But let's just say ninth inning, he comes out, and he's about to pull him, and Garrett Cole just throws a fit and says, I want this game. And literally all the Yankees players that were in the huddle, they're like, well, all right, here we go. <laughs> and Aaron Boone's like, I can't really. It's, it's a matter of just wanting it. And I think when it yeah. comes down to an injury, 
because I've seen injured athletes. You can see like their spirit is completely broken. And going into the Missouri State training room, I've never wanted that to happen to me. So I lived in that training room and seeing guys with the ACL tears, Tommy John tears, um, labrum tears. It just, it's, it's, I, I don't like it. And so I was literally living there every single day. And you could tell the players that could come back and you could tell the players that weren't going to come back. So I, I really vibe with that thought is that you have to have it right in the mind and you mm -hmm. have to have it right in the heart. Is that what you guys find when you're dealing with, with no, athletes? That but first half hour with them, Spiker, I'm not putting hands on them. I'm just talking. Yeah. I'm like, what, where is it? Where are you at? What happened? What happened with this injury? What did you feel? Why didn't you heal? Why do you, why do you think? I, I'm just I'm just there spending time to figure out where their heart is, where their doubts are, where their concerns are. Mm -hmm. And then that helps me navigate how I can interact with them to uh, restore confidence where they lost confidence and um, tell them, here's my plan. And this is why it's my plan. I can do it. Usually I can provide options. I can do this way, this way, this way. I think this way is best for you. Mm -hmm. And this is why. And this is what I'd recommend, and this is what would happen. In a week three, if we're doing things right, you should be here. And, 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 and I think if you're just straightforward and just straight up with people, they dig that. So it's almost like coaching. You're, you're, coaching, you're coaching your client. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a facilitator. Where that, where, that's where I, <laughs> my frustration gets with players when they go and like, oh, my arms hurt. And then they go and they get an MRI. Like, oh, you need surgery. It's like, well, do you need surgery or do you not need surgery? Is this, is this transactional or is this a relationship? Like, is he really telling you like, hey, we, this is the path that you have like three paths that you can take. This is what's going to happen. Um, you can always get a second opinion, but these are the three paths. Like I would love for doctors to really go down that route, but I feel like sometimes uh, it just, it's I, not there. I think you're right. I think a lot of times people say things that are unreasonable mm -hmm. and they, I think everyone truly is trying to help everyone, mm -hmm. but their fund of skills is limited and they hate to admit it. I think doctors do sometimes have egos and pride mm -hmm. as anybody that cares about their work but i do think sometimes surgeons say things are absolutely untrue mm -hmm. and put fear in the hearts of people that are just untrue mm -hmm. well that i don't care if you do your prp the yeah. meniscus is still torn it's like if it's not symptomatic what do i care yeah you know and so they just sometimes not all but sometimes unreasonable things are said to provoke people to make a decision that is not scientific mm -hmm. and creates more damage psychomotionally mm -hmm. and when you damage an athlete a performing athlete psychomotionally i don't care if it's a girlfriend i don't care if it's his injury that it's broken yeah you well, can't I, perform well i mean an acl tear like if, if no one's ever been through that i've never been through it but i've seen athletes go through that it is not <laughs> it's not a good situation like you're dealing with mental, you're dealing with emotional, and then obviously you're dealing with the broken part that you have to fix. So it, for do you ever recommend surgery when they see you? Like, is it a point? Really? There, there, it's rare that I immediately say, but I said, look, what I'm seeing right here is unstable. If this doesn't change in the next two weeks and you can't do this and this and this, you're going to go get an opinion. Mm. I, I don't care what you say. If you're going to work with me anymore, you're going to get a surgical opinion. I am not against surgery. I'm against surgery that perhaps doesn't need to be done. And when I see kids without their growth plates <laughs> being sealed and getting major surgeries, it bothers me. Mm. Uh, and, and without giving an appropriate rehab approach. So, you know, um, yeah, there are times. Now, if you need a surgery, Spiker, yeah. and it's urgent, I mean, 
you can, it's obvious. Yeah. Okay. If if you can hobble, get along, go to the bathroom, go see somebody like me. See what can be done. No harm, no foul. Yeah. Even to do re- ACL reconstruction, they're going to wait a few weeks for the swelling to go down before they do it. So why don't you? Why don't you do that instead of putting an immobilizer? I don't know. It just makes more sense to me. So everyone knows the surgery side's pretty plain and simple. Like either you're cutting on the person or you're not cutting on the person. Um, but non-surgical items mm-hmm. that can be in basically the toolbox of the doctor. What are those? In my practice, it's pretty remarkable. I, I do, like I told you, I do everything from electroacupuncture to osteopathic treatment. And of course, I got my team of therapists in my office. Um, uh, my injection technique, I do a variety of different types of injection, whether it be traditional, non-traditional, and uh, my regenerative technique with stem cells and PRP. Um, medications, there's some there are some ointments I get compounded. I work with a compounding pharmacist mm-hmm. uh, that work remarkably well and I, uh, for that particular need in that situation, whether nerves involved or not. It changes the composition. So uh, compounded creams, injections, medications, therapies, bracing, uh, and then sports-specific training. Um, everything non-surgical. We bring it together where we conference in real time with each, for each client what's happening, where they're at, are they hitting performance parameters? If they're not, click, we go to the next notch right away. Hey, by the way, you're so far behind. Let's go injection. We're going to retool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so my practice, I have a variety of different tools and techniques. My practice is different. There's not one like mine in, in St. Louis or around. Um, I, uh, it's, it's one team mm-hmm. that I control that I navigate mm-hmm. or I work with. I yep. not control. But it is unique in as much as all the talent. None of us have a real ego that way. It's all about can, how great of work can we do? And we talk. And we, we, we say, I did this and this. I said, try this. Did, mm-hmm. Or I'll go down to the gym and I'll watch it myself. Say, see what they're doing here? They're doing this. Build out the gluteus means they won't lurch. Or, you know, it's just a really... It's a really cool way of multiple professionals getting together and just looking at that patient. We'll video it, put it up on the screen for the client to see it. Most people's like, wow, didn't know I was doing that. So our clinic is unique. We have a, a performance evaluation lab to where you can see what you do, we mm-hmm. can measure what we do, and as far as treatment, everything. We got it all. So the therapist that you have... You have a chiropractor, right? We don't have a chiropractor. We have Ravi. Okay. Uh, and one of my, my therapists are all manually certified, too. Okay. So therapist meaning, like, physical therapist? Yes. Doctors in physical therapy. And, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Got you. And so I'm, I have a list of items that I, I, I want to hit because we've had previous conversations with a chiropractor and with an ortho, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that people understand what these items are because... Again, going into the medical office, making sure that they know, hey, this is what your options are. So platelet-rich plasma, PRP. Yeah. Explain that. Well, I'm happy to tell you everything. Tell me to shut up if I'm saying too much. Mm-hmm. Platelet-rich just, plasma. Just basically just platelets, uh, platelets. Spark Notes version. Great. Spark Notes? I think. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that, this is the way This is the way <laughs> I explain it to a patient. For example, let's say you get a cut on your arm. The PRP are the cells that the body sends to that site to help it heal. So they're the growth factors in the blood that help the body heal itself. Yes, so platelets are, are those cells in our body that create clots, 
that's the simplest way to think of it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of components to our blood. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we take our blood, we spin it down in our centrifuge, okay? And then we separate the platelet poor from the platelet rich. And so in between these things, you got red blood cells down at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You got this little thing we call a buffy coat that has white cells and platelets. Mm -hmm. And then you got this yellow stuff that's platelet poor. So that platelet rich section is where growth factors, cytokines, all these chemical mediators Amy talked about that say to the body, hey, yo, over here, dump down more cells here, man, right now, mm -hmm. heal. So those are contained on the outside of platelets and the other factors that get in that buffy coat. So that's what PRP is about. So basically I'm, I'm picturing, I'm thinking of Hollywood movies right now where they're, they're, the spinning, yeah. the spinning vials, like they're, the vials are there and they yeah. spin, Yep. right? Okay, that's so it. they're spinning. Mm -hmm. What's happening during that spin? It's separating, separating red cells. The, all the heavy stuff goes to the bottom. Okay. So red cells go to the bottom. All the, the blood gets fractionated into basically three. So red blood cells, this buffy coat of white cells and platelets, and then platelet pour. So three okay. segments, and you suck off and you shoot off the platelet pore. Actually, there's some stuff I'm doing with it lately, but that's a different talk. So the red blood but cells are at the bottom. Bottom, we don't want it. We don't want that. No, just going to create inflammation. Does no good. Okay, take that out. Got Add it. it. All right, so white blood cells are up the top? Yes. We, 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 there's a technique I have to limit that because sometimes that creates a little pain. But okay. yeah, white cells, platelets, up the top, right? That Got little, it. So like a little layer. Just a teeny tiny layer. Okay, so that's, Sliver. that's there. Sliver. Got it. Yep. Okay. So then I have that. Yep. What do I do with that? And well, we 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 don't use a machine because I find a much better technique doing it manually. It's more laborsome, but we we pipette it off. Pipette mean we like basically suck off that little that layer. band, yeah, okay. that little layer, and so we suck that off, and uh, that is uh, the PRP. Okay, so I have it in what? syringe. Syringe. In a syringe. Yeah. Right back in. Your I have brain. it in my syringe. I go to the patient. Yep. And the patient has, let's just say, Tommy John, a small fracture tear. Yeah. Is that something that I would use PRP with? You absolutely can. Okay. So I, I have the PRP. Guy has a small tear. I go in. I inject him with the PRP. Yes. What happens there? So, well, the, so well, the, the white stuff yes. goes into the arm. Yes. What happens then? So now then they call the apocrine effect. Paw, paw, paw. So, <laughs> so, so then the magic occurs. These chemical mediators, these other factors then start telling the body, the blood vessels, hey, dilate, do this, do, bring in these other uh, growth factors. And the body starts magnifying its healing in that region because you put a, um, um, like a, uh, one of those things, you know, when you're in Desert Island. Is it weird so, that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like picturing like, it's your body doing what it wants to. But hold on, hold on. I, I, think, I feel like I have a good analogy. Tell okay. me if this analogy works. <laughs> you're you're driving down the side of the road, and then you see a guy that's literally parked off, and he has a whole like his car's just messed up. Then you have a whole bunch of people stop, and they're trying to figure out how to fix this car. And all of a sudden, you have this mechanic out of nowhere comes in and says, "Hey guys, I don't have the tools, but you have to fix this thing. This is what we need to do." And literally, they fix the car. And the guy's like, "Where to you, Jack? You." Put a little triangle thing up so nobody hits us. Yeah, kind of. That's that's not a that's not pretty strong. I like it. No, it's man, good. I should I should probably I should probably become a doctor, man. 
<laughs> we're hiring. <laughs> Maybe I need to start, no, but, uh, but, start, but my, is, uh, because start my medical degree. Particularly people that have multiple injuries and they have the scar tissue and everything. Uh, sometimes the scar tissue itself becomes painful. It entraps certain cutaneous nerve fibers and they're like, well, everything's fine. MRI's fine. And, but, but these subtle scar tissues create pain and you've got all, they don't know what to do. And it's disorganized scar, scarring. Scar tissues is protein, right? Well, collagen, and which is okay. protein, yeah, which yeah. is, but it gets fibrous, it gets knotty. So the PRP can actually take out the reor- You can reorganize it. So I shoot the PRP into there, yeah. and then with the help of my therapist using technique like Graston and other soft tissue mobilization technique, you can redirect, reorganize that area, t- take out that entrapment of those cutaneous nerve fibers, mm-hmm. and that neuritic pain people get. There is so much that can be done, whether an acute injury or a chronic injury with regenerative because it is truly your body magnified. It's not doing anything but your own body stuff, just magnifying it. Sometimes I use umbilical lines. I have a cryo tank and I use umbilical line stem cells and things like that for We'll get, uh, we'll, get, we'll, get to, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the stem cells. Oh, <laughs> Everyone's like, Oh geez. Okay. What's no. the stem cell thing? So, yeah. Okay. PRP gets in there. What's the recovery time in that? And then what is the success rate for PRP? Again, I know that's a hard hitting question. Depends on what I'm attacking. If I'm looking at somebody with, with an acute uh, meniscus tear, it's just each individual, but let's take somebody that has an acute meniscus tear. Uh, all things that a stable meniscus tear are not walking along next thing you're on the ground. You know, that's something go see a surgeon, please. But, uh, they have a stable meniscus tear. If I do PRP, I'd probably do PRP along with a visco supplement. I would say uh, a matter of four to six weeks, they're feeling probably 80%. Okay. And then is the tear completely healed? I can't say that. We don't, insurance won't pay for another MRI. Uh, And so I can't say whether, and and to moot point, I don't care if the meniscus is healed. Am I promoting everything I can to help that meniscus heal and scar down? Absolutely. But as long so as it's not symptomatic, what do I care? So technically, you're waiting to see if that person's symptomatic or not symptomatic. It's, it's all functional. Are they able to perform, yes or no? Are they able to do stairs better? Is their pain less? Are they walking farther? Are they getting back to their so activities athlete, they want to do? are they on the field and they're not having exactly. any pain? Exactly. I mean, are they performing? If they're not performing the way they want to, something's wrong. But does it, does it actually heal the tear? Over time, it does. It does. Yes. You could ask in the same question to, at surgery, too. In four to six weeks? Oh, no. It'll take longer. It'll take longer. It'll take longer. Chondrocytes do not come up with the same veracity. And, and, and meniscus is not vascularized like other tissue. And so only the outer portion of the meniscus is being uh, truly vascularized. Yeah. The inner portion gets very little. So it takes longer for, in that situation. But my point is, what are you going to do? Throw a steroid in it, it suppresses, and it doesn't suppress any kind of regeneration? So then what does that do for baseball players? If they get PRP and they have a small micro tear in their, let's say, Tommy John ligament. Um, and they throw. It, it's just a matter of... There's no downside. And we're not just putting the PRP in there. We're making sure they're rehabbing and get Getting fixing back. the reason yeah. why it happened in the first place. Yeah. Are you getting mm-hmm. excessive valgus stress? Why? Mm-hmm. Valgus, Look at the, valgus stress? Yeah. Valgus stress? Uh, the, outward. That's what tears this medial collateral ligament. That's the Tommy John So problem. when I throw a curveball and I have stress on that. Yeah. And, yeah. With this arm going boom. Yep. Uh, uh, laterally. So that's valgus. This is varus, so yep. inward. So, so inward is inward is is varus. Varus, valgus is outward. Outward. So and that's when when uh, when a doctor comes up and they push on your elbow. Yeah, they're, they're testing, pushing. They're testing. Boom, you. and they're pushing that ligament right here. Okay. 
Gotcha. And the nerve goes right through that little groove, ulnar nerve that goes to these fingers. So that's 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 the thing you got to control. And if you don't control the proximal portion of the chain, somebody's going to be sucking it up. At what point does PRP doesn't it doesn't help tears? If you're not performing, or even bone spurs, I know bone spurs. Sure. Use, you, yeah. I don't. We don't use it for bone spurs. Bone spurs just say there's been excessive force to an insertion, mm. and, and the body's calcific, becoming calcific because there's chronic inflammation there. That's what a bone spur is. Okay. A bone spur simply says there's been long-term stress to this tendinous insertion. Period. Got it. Okay. And so, anyways, the, the tears. Yeah. At what point does the tear become too much that you can't do PRP? Have you ever tested? The I, I have. I have not. I, I did. A, I did an eighty-five percent hamstring tear three weeks ago with a collegiate athlete. The, he's done fabulous. No, they way. heal. They they scar in. Very few muscular tears. But need. that's a muscular tear. Now, but what was, about a tendon? Tendon's a little bit different, and it depends on the nature. Where at the tendon it tore, uh, but and and uh, the completeness of it. If it's partial, what, how, how much, you know, it's, there's too many, you need to look at things. There's no one answer. It's, it's, you yeah. got to look at everything entirely. What does the anatomy say? What do the MRI say? How much is torn? Where at? Are there other things being torn? And what is this person doing? Given they got a partial tear of this, a near full thickness of this, it is this, get anatomic correction and then let me rehab it. And then I'll PRP it after the surgery and rehab the out of it. But that's so where you can, it comes you can do PRP after this after surgery too. No question. Matter of fact, that's a large, big protocol with a few people I work with. Oh, after really? their shoulder reconstructions and everything. So is the recovery rate faster? Absolutely. No way. Yeah, way. way, way. Just like with pre-surgical rehab, they're gonna recover faster. Yeah. If you get good mechanics, you're not gonna stress the joint after a surgery. They recover more. What's the recovery rate? Like recovery, like not rate, but I mean like recovery as in like time frame. How much does it reduce? I would say no less than seven, eight weeks. I'd say that. And we're talking about rotator cuff repair. We're talking about full rotator cuff repair. Well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, again, I hope someone on the other line or on this side that's listening to this understands that we're dealing with multiple different types of injuries for baseball players like you have. Yeah, you can you have, have a labrum. Tear. Yeah, yeah, you have labrum. You have Tommy John. You have um, um, what's the? I can't think of the other injury that um, happened. Our one of our Missouri State pitchers end up was in the running for the Golden Spikes Award for the for mm. college Division One, and he had I think three or four surgeries, and it wasn't like labrum. It was um, hernia. He had a hernia hmm. in his arm. Is, is that does that ring a bell? No, I can't say. It does. Really? No. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm botching it up. But anyways, um, was it a ganglion cyst? Maybe I think so. I don't know. It, it, like it because you have multiple hernias, right? You can have in different parts of your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's so, not so, maybe I'm just but, botching up this conversation. No, but, not at all. Yeah, it's it was probably a gang, It probably had some multiple surgeries. His capsule got weak, yeah. and then he had a ganglion cyst, which is an outpouching of of the capsule mm-hmm. uh, from excessive stress whatever gotcha. but it's, it's but, uh, probably that my point is is that there's no, like you said there's not a blanket answer for all of this so when you're dealing with those micro tears or full tears tendons muscles prp um is not going to be the end all be all but it is a possibility that they could 
take that route. And it depends on, we're talking about athletes, but you take an 80 year old that's anticoagulated, that's diabetic, Mm -hmm. PRP would probably be a better choice than surgery for that person. Or steroids. And can it be the end all be all for them? Absolutely. Yeah. It can get them functioning enough to do what an 80 year old needs to do. But as far as a performing athlete, which is why we're here, uh, I I absolutely believe there's, there, there can be an incorporation of these ideas. Mm-hmm. When I started doing this, I was with the orthopedic group initially, as you know, yep. and I, I left five years because I just wanted to dedicate to pure non-surgical. Yep. Um, you know, uh, all these, my partners who were very lovely and very reputable mm-hmm. people, uh, that's all placebo. Every one of them have a PRP machine that they got their PAA doing. <laughs> they don't do it well, but they're doing it. Yeah. And there is a huge body of evidence, even in their own JBJS. I read it. I read their own the orthopedic journals. Mm-hmm. There's a huge body of evidence showing less failure rate for hardware incorporation. Mm-hmm. There's a better healing time, better control of pain. It's, it's, I don't think any surgeon out there now can deny the value of PRP. There's still some out there saying, it shows promise. All right. Yeah. No, I, I think I think whenever you ask somebody, it's like you could get multiple answers on a certain topic. That's why people I, have agendas. Yeah. I mean, that's what I feel like with even on, in our industry, like you have certain techniques that you use for um, hitting or pitching and someone's like, oh, that's nonsense. But yeah. there's results on some people and not results on the other. So anyways, um, I think it's just a matter of like you trust your gut. Like how you said, exactly. whatever feels comfortable for Get you. Get information. Sit there and say, Doc, do you think this is the primary pain generator and why I can't perform it how I want to? Yes or no? What else is contributing, Doc? What else can I do? And like Amy said before, data for when I was even in training, it, Pre-surgical rehabilitation before a total knee works. Mm-hmm. People get better outcomes. They have less failure. They don't get contractures. And they, they're back to life quicker. It's, it, just, it just works. Mm-hmm. So I think we're... We are preoccupied with, uh, we're Americans, man. We won it yesterday. <laughs> I do too. Well, <laughs> if you think about the the athlete, the only thing that they want is I want to get back on the field. That's it. Truly understand Doc, tell me, tell me how I get on the field fastest, fastest way possible. Yeah. And, and then don't confuse them. When you got too many people of too many perspectives in that person's ear. It's like economic output. When you put 25 people on one task, it's not going to get done. It, it, and it's, Yes. And it gets actually less efficient, mm-hmm. you know, but so I, I really do think, um, I think the biggest thing people really be, need to be mindful of the, of the heart and mindset of that athlete before they go in there spouting their medical stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I think that's important. And I think it's important for athletes to not just use Dr. Google, but to resonate. What makes sense? Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. And then, and just, you know, it's very easy to go through and say, I hurt. Doc, is it soft tissue? Is it nerve? Is it bone? Is it cartilage? What? Well, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's as simple as that. Well, it's not that easy. It's a combination of things. Well, all right. Well, is there something we can change before we do this surgery? Mm-hmm. I think being methodical is really, I think, advantageous. Stem cells. Yeah. I heard about these things. <laughs> there's a lot of good things. There's, there's a lot of things yeah. in this topic that can be dissected. Yeah. And put into play. Dissected, but first please, off, no one's dying. First okay? yeah. First <laughs> off, I wanna I wanna hit the um things that when some when you say stem cell, they everyone thinks about big media right away, like, oh what I've heard on the news. Mm-hmm. And obviously early two thousands, late nineties, it felt like when you heard stem cell, it freaked a lot of people out. 
Absolutely. We are not in those days anymore. We are, we are a more advanced species. <laughs> so please explain stem cells and what they are and what they are not in Great. your field. Stem cells is life, period. Every one of us have stem cells, period. Period. We're all born with a bunch of stem cells. We lose them as we get older. Mm -hmm. Some stem cells are more potent than others, meaning they can become more types of things than other stem cells. And we are not talking about abortion right now. Zero. Zero. Okay. I want to make sure that we're not going to go down the abortion route. We're not going to get political on this. Zero. Zero babies have been hurt in this conversation. No, this is all coming from you, your body, your cells. Your stuff. Now, I told you before earlier, I led that I have a cryo tank, and from uh, FDA approved um, healthy life births, some people donate their spinal uh, or their <laughs> their umbilical cords, mm-hmm. and from this we can extract much greater uh, and more potent and viable stem cells. Okay. And, and so, that's why people bank their umbilical cords now for their kids. Yeah. Because they can they use get, those cells later. They get cancer or whatever. They got their stem cells. No way. So they, baby's born. They can take the stem cells from the baby and they can hold those into a cryogenic yep. tank and for, that person, for that person later on in life. Yes. Holy cow, that's like... Or their mom that wants plast, uh, do some plastic surgery techniques. That That's like the Willy Wonka golden ticket, isn't it? I mean, I feel like it, right? I don't know why everybody didn't do it. You're right. You like, know, God forbid something happened to your child, but if you got some some of those stem cells crowd preserved, bang, that could be a godsend. Do you have any of mine in your... <laughs> oh, but anyway, so why would someone want to do that? I know we are really off topic right well, now, but this is very interesting. Well, again, if, you, if your kid got leukemia or got some kind of bone cancer or whatever, and you had their stem cells and you know there's not going to be rejected and it could save their life, why, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> no way. So they say they have leukemia and then you can get their stem cells. And then what do you, would you do with those stem cells? That's, that's in a higher order. How that process works is in a different specialty <laughs> so you cannot you can say, i don't know how they do that <laughs> so you're telling me i have to go find a stem cell I'll, expert I'll on this one, one for you i'll get you i'll get you i'll get you a guy i know a guy i know a guy uh, the closing pitch is no longer about baseball it's me trying to figure out what's going on in the medical field because it's very fascinating so okay stem cells for athletes yeah, let's get so, back so on track stem cells is coming from you the, the mo- that's 99% of my practice is your own stuff, your own okay. stem cells. I use only fat. I have, from the very beginning, been leery of bone marrow, aspirate, BMAC, uh, and the data has proven it, it, it is inferior compared to fat. B- that's where it's at. BMAC. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it's that's at. That's where it's at, baby. I feel like that's like a 90s like saying. Like Sir, I got it from Sir Mix a lot. Uh, he was a close friend. So oh. BMAC yeah. is bone, bone marrow, marrow, aspirate. Okay. Concentrate. So whenever someone talks about stem cells for athletes. And they go into the bone to suck out the marrow. Does that that's hurt? a lesser technique. Does that hurt? It hurts. And sometimes you can fracture a hip bone. Uh, I've never had that happen, but it can So you're happen. taking it from the athlete though, right? Yes. Still from the athlete. Still from the athlete. Wow. So this guy probably has like a he has a torn rotator cuff and then you're going in and trying to get just then you sometimes they usually go people usually go to the hip oh they go to the hip yeah so but you're saying you'd rather go towards the fat fat's perfect yeah it's i can harvest fat pretty easily it's not hard so you're not going towards the bone you go more towards the fat completely okay because gotcha. fat is more pluripotent 
meaning fat can become more things. Bone marrow aspirate can become cartilage or bone. But fat can become nerve. Fat can become soft tissue. Fat can become cartilage. Fat can be a lot of things. Fat is more potent. It's, mm. it's less, uh, you know, if you look at it and you keep coming down the, the tree, it's way up here. BMAC is here. So it can become more things. BMAC can only become those things. Plus, in your athletes over 40, they have many more stem cells. All of us have many more stem cells in our fat. <laughs> I think that's a very nice way of saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so the, say I have um, an ACL tear, right? And I'm like, you know what? I really want to do stem. Let's not do PRP. Let's go stem. What it, what You take it out of my body. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it after it's out of my body? I have a process, and um, for for just a stem cell harvesting is simply me putting in my little surgery suite I have. I make an incision, and then I manually do liposuction. It's not much. It's not cosmetically significant. It doesn't create any dimples or anything. But I need. I usually get about thirty to sixty cc's of fat. That fat then. I mechanically process. Wait, where are you getting the fat from? My usually I get it from the love handle or butt. Okay. Now for some of my lead athletes, that's where it's like, dude, you got no fat. I, we got to go umbilical for you. <laughs> you got no fat. You yeah, because you're you're literally like some of them are seven percent body oh, fat. Yeah, some of my elite athletes. I mean, these triathlete. I'm just like, they're, they're, no. You know, I'm getting. I, there's no. It's not worth the fat. All right, you're on <laughs> an eating diet. <laughs> <laughs> Go here. You go peanut butter banana sandwich. That'll really get you through. But uh, uh, yeah. So so then I harvest out those cells. Okay. Then I mechanically prep them, and then they get centrifuged to concentrate out the stem cells. And then I use the remainder cells in what's called a bioscaffold, and so I can do different things. So similar to the PRP, when you put it in the centrifuge, your stem cells, in this case, drop down to the. So bottom. you spin it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put it in a vial. Mm-hmm. Spin it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grab the stem cells stem from cells the bottom. Stem cells come to the bottom. Bottom. So mm-hmm. instead of the top, we're going to the bottom. Correct. I take that, and then I put it in a syringe, mm-hmm. and I go towards the ACL tear, mm-hmm. and I find where the tear is, and then I inject it into the tear. Inject there, and then I also take some of those fat cells, and I surround that region as well and create what's called a bioscaffold to hold it there for a while. So basically, you're putting like a liquid... Band-aid. Yeah. Over. Yeah. A little cloud around it. Yeah. Okay. And then. And it adds more stem cells too. But so the bigger reason recruit, is I need to hold in place. So it recruits more stem cells? And there's more in the stromal fat. You can't get them all out. So. There's still more in that stromal in fat. The, in that fat that you have taken, mm-hmm. there is more stem cells that you could not grab out of there. Way harder. Not worth it. You'll end up destroying tissue and tearing up stem cells. Yes. But it doesn't mean it can't be used. How do the stem cells know, like, oh, yeah, we need to go fix that? It's chemicals. It's these chemical signals where you have an area of degeneration. There, your body's creating these chemical signals and cytokines and other things telling the body, hey, 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 we got a problem. We need to heal. So then the stem cells go and they get those things. Like, oh, and then they attach to those areas that are raw, that are, that are, are injured, that are, the cartilage has been torn away. And they attach to those regions uh, because of those chemical signals. That's what I find about interesting about like lizards because their tails, if you cut off their tails, ge- yeah. geckos, they, yeah, yeah. They, they regrow, right? How, why can't the body do that? Why can't the, like, it, there's a tear. Why do I have to get somebody to do that for me? The body will do it over time. 
Well, but like you shared before, we're just augmenting what that body's trying to do. So over time, the bond, it it'll insane. scar and heal. It'll scar and heal, right. But, but when you have anatomic disruption, you have anatomic disruption. It, it doesn't know how to heal big tears. Is that what you're saying? No. When it's disrupted completely apart, then you need anatomic correction. If there is something holding it together, yeah. now, in my opinion, if it's more than 80%, Depending on what you're wanting out of life and how old you are, all these factors, I may not offer it to you. But if there is something connecting, we have we have blood vessels and other things connecting a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can help that grow and 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 help uh, become more matured and better. Mm. Gotcha. We can we can augment that healing absolutely. But when you get beyond 40, we all lose testosterone. Our ability to heal is diminished. We, we have multifactorial disease. Some people have diabetes. Some people have thyroid disease. Other things that affect healing. And that's where you never get ahead of the curve. So this is a great technique, particularly if you have these comorbidities. And you don't heal as well because you're diabetic. And you don't heal as well because you had cancer and you're still on some other immunosuppressive drugs. This is where it's brilliant. So you know what? I'll take what you got. I'll put turbocharges on it. I'll put it right where it needs to be. And we get you over the hump. It's like a chemical little reaction, you know. If you put more oxygen there and you got an abundance of of uh, hydrogen, yeah, it's going to get a lot more water. Yeah, you know, you take away your your hydrogen. I don't care how much oxygen you got. It's it's just it's just creating that balance. And so if you create more building blocks, you know, you maximize their nutrition, you maximize their their environment, you get the right therapeutic exercise, you put things into a region that needs to heal. Yeah, you're stacking the deck. They're going to heal. Why would I then do PRP if I can just go straight to stem? PRP does something different. PRP I use in conjunction with stem cell. There is an augmentation that occurs. There augmentation mean, augmentation they, they, the, what the PRP brings to the table with stem cells together. Uh, it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's delicious. <laughs> so no, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like choosing. All right, I'm, I'm either going to hire the quarterback or I'm going to hire the running back. Is that is it good? No, no? They're, they're doing. No, it's um. Golly, some things simply just don't need stem cells. Some don't, but it does know. But but, but he's, I guess the question is, where do you make the choice whether you need stems or not? Yeah, like where, and, when and, and, and when that, you look at when you look at a tear and you're yeah, like, yeah, bro, you need some stems there, asap. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. It comes down to what I'm trying to achieve anatomically and what I'm working with. And there are some people like Amy's right. If it's like a 70-year-old person, they want to play golf. As I did, I'm going to do three PRPs on you. You're going to meet with my therapist. You're going to learn how to not do this, and you'll be fine. But then if I'm meeting like a kid we took care of last week, he's Mm -hmm. just got a scholarship to Alabama A&M, quarterback, high performer. Well, man, I come at him differently. So, yeah, we did right away. He had a um, two-thirds tear of his insertion of his hamstring. And uh, so I ended up doing PRP and stem cell on him and put him in my rehab program. He won third in Javelin, and mm-hmm. he's, he's doing so great. PR, so PRP is just protein, right? Am I, am I thinking about this PRP right? is platelets. Platelets from the cells. From your blood. From yes. your blood. Okay, so it's not, is it technically not a cell? It is a cell. A platelet's a cell. Okay, so platelet, and then you have stem cell. These are more of like the hardcore pterodactyl type of situations where I'm going to insert it and we're going to go. What's the recovery rate on that? Or not recovery rate, but um, what's the recovery time frame for that? 
Immediate. People can do what they, I mean, for the most part, if people are sore for more than a week, it'd be odd, right? But he's talking about fix the fix. Uh, fixing it. Again, it's going to be based on how bad the tear was. Mm -hmm. But typically, I, I evaluate people uh, six weeks and see where they're at in their protocol, how they're doing, how they're performing, what their objective exam is. And then I see them again at six months. Mm -hmm. And at six months, most people are like, life is amazing. If they're not amazing, that's why I talked about doing a booster. But stem cells, most people that have done this for years will tell you, you're going to continue to improve for up to a year or so. Until you get to a year, don't tell me you're disappointed. Mm -hmm. It just continues to build. And so um, the question, I'm not trying to be a weasel. It's, I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. If somebody tells you, like in the old days, like, oh, you get three epidurals or done every week. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You do what needs to be done to get where you need to be. Yeah. And so it's a dynamic process, Spiker, where you, you make a change and then you reevaluate that change in four to six weeks, make sure your trajectory is being met and that you're hitting your marks, the person's improving, their pain's going away, swelling's going away, and then see, am I at a, is this point where I need to boost or is it just, hey, we're pushing your program. You need to build out your power. Next two weeks when, or next two months when I see you, you're going to have this in three months, man. You better be able to do 10 single leg hops awesomely or whatever. Uh, um, and so it's just that dynamic process. And based on the person I'm dealing with, if they got, you know, they got tournament coming up, yeah, like my niece, I'm going to be moving up her schedule that I wouldn't do for other people because, yeah, she's got a scholarship and she's got a pitch. Yeah. Well, so. also, you probably know what she's capable of doing, right? Absolutely. So we, you know, you we know, the, you know, study, the, we you know the person, right? That's, that's half the battle. You're right. You got to know the person. That's what Hippocrates says. It's better to know the person than the disease you're treating. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like um, what, how uh, Suits. Have you ever, you ever watched that show, Suits? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where sure. the main character says he's he's big on poker. He's like, you got to play the man, not the cards. And I feel true. like that's the same thing with just anything that you do. It's always about the relationship. It's always about the person. You got to know the ins and outs of that person mentally and physically and emotionally to be able to get results. You nailed it. That's the key of being a great sports medicine clinician. Mm -hmm. You got to get in their heads. And my one of my mentors, Jerry Gilden, God rest his soul, he got me with the, and, and, and hockey with the blues and everything when I was in residency at Wanshu. And he's like, and he took care of the, the symphony. And there was this lady, he was like, Doctor, that, she's okay. He's like, hold on, come over here. And he, he goes, you know what? She's mad she didn't get the first violin for this and this and this, and she's acting out. And so it be, does no good to tell her that there's really nothing here. Let's just put a, let's put a Band-Aid on it. Let's watch her for a week. She'll come back and it'll be fine. And it blew me away. Hmm. It was right. Hmm. So, you know, mindset's everything. How people get into what, but it's so important to connect. It's yeah. so important. So that person not only has confidence in you, they follow instructions, and they, they have hope. You know, their mindset is positive. If you don't have a mindset that's positive. Yeah, that's crazy. Brother, you're never going to heal. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Were you about I'm to sorry say? I was interrupting. Yeah. No, we, we always speak into the time frame. Um, I've personally had it done, and I had a labral tear of this shoulder. And Are you talking, I had about, a, you're talking about stem? Stem cells. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my shoulder was a labral tear, slap tear in all directions. A partial rotator cuff tear. And that healed. Probably so you had a labrum and a rotator cuff tear? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how? And it was partial? Yep. How, how much? Uh, it was 35% uh, 30, supraspinatus, um, about 40% infraspinatus. And that's typical that you'll see in most pictures, right? Yeah. Okay. So cool. that recovery for me was four to six weeks. 
as opposed to I had a broken bone that splintered and, and I lost blood supply, something called AVN. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's going to take longer. And that took me a good 10 to 12 weeks to get back to fully doing what I needed to do. And then it So even within a person, it's different based on what the injury is. Holy cow. So my, my, my ex-partner was a hand surgeon. And he was like, you know, we have, she plays piano. And she was like, oh, we'll fuse her and functional. I was like, dude, we, we got an insanely expensive piano. And, and she, that's the only thing she likes. He goes, well, what, what are you going to do? I go, well, I, I, how, do, how much time do I have? He goes, how much do you want? If it fragments, I'll pull out pieces. And I go, well, I'm doing stuff with stem cells. And I'm going to see if I can get it to revascularize. And he goes, dude, if you can do that, that's totally cool. So you ended up giving her stem cells yeah. in her wrist, in her which wrist. was a partial fracture. And you could not play the piano. Is that what you're saying? I couldn't do well, hardly anything. It was a dead bone. Yeah. It was a dead bone. It's, yeah, you know, AVN, uh, avascular necrosis, this, the scaphoid bone, it has one blood supply. And if you get a wrist injury and that blood supply gets damaged, that bone dies. <laughs> it's no not good. Way. And so she. So, like, you can't even move it? No, I, look at her. I, now I can. Well, but yeah, now time, you can. Like, look at, at your that, wrist. At I mean, that it's moving time, right everything now. was painful. I mean, we treated it initially. We thought it was a tendonitis just from overuse. But then when it wasn't healing, we got the CT, and that's what it showed. Yeah. So then what about pitchers? Someone that throws 95 miles an hour. Like, the wrist is cool. Like, yeah. Being able to play the piano again, that's, that, that's cool. But then you're talking about 95-mile-an-hour fastball onto that ligament. Yeah. Can you come back in six to eight weeks with that? I don't stuff? know. I don't have a body of evidence to to make such claims, but I sure would like it. And would that be the pathway that you would take for that person? Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it, it makes me wonder, like, what's the limit of stem cells? Like, w- at what point does it not seem o- like an option and we have to go complete surgery? My point is, it is always an option. The only problem is it's not covered by insurance because pharma makes no money. Mm. And so it just makes you lighter in a wallet. But there is no situation where it's detrimental at all. A steroid can be a problem. It suppresses. There's other reactions. If you're diabetic, you can make your blood sugars pop up. There is zero, zero, zero downside to using PRP or stem cell regenerative technique for your problem. And even if you need to pursue a surgical solution, you're going to go into it in a better situation. But my question is like, do you, your curiosity, because you're very curious like I am. No question. Do you ever wonder, okay, if this is completely torn, could I fix it with STEM? Like just completely just depends the on what worst your case scenario. Fixes. Because like the very first guy that came to us for stem cells, we told him, go get a surgery. Yeah. We can't help you. We don't want to take your money. We don't think we can help you. I didn't say I couldn't help you. Yeah, I didn't want to take your money. I don't feel ethical yeah. about it because you were that far gone. I, and he, and but he, doesn't it doesn't didn't it kind of like wonder like man I kind of really just want to see what happens. Well, so this is what happened. <laughs> he absolutely did not want to do a surgery. Okay, and he said I don't you know whatever it is what I year, want what you to year do is it. This, by the way? this, this is twelve years ago. Tw- yeah, f- more than twelve. I don't know. It was, was yeah. two thousand twelve or two thousand. A long time ago. Okay, so at least at least twelve years ago. But anyways. And this guy takes care of St. Vincent's Church. He's on the roof. He's the, he's the main. I mean, he's doing he's, ladders, he's, everything. Yeah, he's doing he's doing the thing. He's doing it, man. Yeah, he's doing it. And and he initially came to me, and I made him better, but he still had to use a brace in certain situations. And you know, go ahead. Ultimately, he he did the stem cells, and did very well. I mean, exceeded our expectations. Of course, did exactly what we told him. He was compliant with his home exercises, compliant with PT, mm-hmm. kept his weight reasonable. Um, and he's been back to us only twice since then for PRP boosters, never another STEM. Yeah. And he's, he's got, he doesn't take drugs. 
He is doing everything he wants. He's climbing on roofs. a video of him dancing at his daughter's wedding. That was where he, that's what he said to me. He goes, I want it, Doc. I didn't think you could bring me this far. I want to, I go, this is a lot of money, George. He's like, I want to dance with my daughter. Because he didn't want to do the surgery. Because if he does the surgery. It wasn't a guarantee. It he, wasn't a guarantee for him. Uh-huh. So basically, he's looking at his options. He's like, well, this is not a guarantee, and this is not a guarantee, so I might as well do the thing that's not going to cause me a lot of hurt. And, and you know what? It was, he sent us a video of him showboating with his daughter. Uh, single tear, man. It was really great. Wow. But he's been like, you know, he sent me a bunch of people, but uh, Amy's right. We just saw him recently because some of the people I took care of, I sent him an email saying, hey, I've taken care of your past. I have this night dedicated to give you discounted PRP and... Uh, if you want to, and he called up, he's like, I want both these. He's like, okay. Wow. And he's doing great. He's doing great. And just, you know, and that's what I'm saying. If you look at him, people sometimes look horrible on paper. And he looks horrible on x-rays. Looks horrible. And I look horrible. Look at my spine. You're like, oh, dude. We need to- it's kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not good. But, but people sometimes look bad on paper and on MRIs. Mm-hmm. That's why I just can't tell you how vital it is to examine. Put your hands on it, man. Yeah. And, and know what you're feeling. And, and then be able to be confident in saying, you know what? This knee, you have no ACL, but it's not sloppy. Here's what we can do. And if you can't do this and this and this, you don't have the rotational stability, get it fixed. Maybe that's the answer for a lot of people is having an open mind during a very emotional time. I don't know how I was able to make that sound really nice, but it did. It did. Because when, you, when you're when you so emotional, that's when you end up making the wrong decision. Well, in your young athletes, it's not just the athlete. There's parents Moms. involved. Oh, tell oh, me about, tell me about it. Yeah, tell me about situation. it. Yeah. So we try and incorporate that in our practice, definitely talking with the parents along with the athlete. And then everybody's got an ortho at the country club. and I don't know. It just gets to be a whirlwind of opinions. Mm-hmm opinions and i just encourage people to believe in yourself common sense is all you really need to navigate and if it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense there's information out there and Mm -hmm. you know if you get overwhelmed by personalities or supposed reputations because magically everybody on washu and i'm a washu guy i love not knocking it and Liv Slew are all the best doctors, right? Have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Well, yeah. There's well, no private guys. Right? Well, there's you, none of us. I'm, I'll more. give you a little <laughs> insight into our space. Is that obviously you're in the stands, people talk and like, oh, I went to da 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 da, or I went to da 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 da. Right. But is that the right person for you? And for the audience to get to be a little bit more forthright, I had PRP and I think I had STEM. I don't remember. I gotta look back. I gotta ask my dad on this, but I do. I do remember I got PRP, and it ended up getting me back onto the field. And they wanted to move my nerve over transposition. Right. Literally, that that was like the scariest thing for <laughs> me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You have to move the nerve over, and they're like, yeah, it's, the success rate is probably not gonna be that high. By the way. So basically your career might be over. I'm like, that sounds horrible. So it was, it was basically like your St. Vincent's guy. And so I said, you know what? I might as well just try PRP. So I did it thinking, hoping, and next thing you know, I'm back onto that field in the spring and I'm, and I'm playing. Like, I feel when people go into the doctor's office, they get so emotional like, oh crap, okay, what's the fastest route? Let's just do it, yeah. Do you have the knives right now? Let's go right now. And I think that's a very bad situation. I can't add to that. I, I think you're right. Yeah. 
We tell that to our, for example, our spine patients with large herniations. Mm -hmm. You know, the fastest way to get out of pain for that person is a surgery. However, Mm -hmm. if you look at post-surgical years and what happens to them, that's why there's so many failed back surgeries and repeat no one, five years. no one no one talks about the post surgery. So five years. It can, all inverts. People that go non surgical are doing better. People doing surgical are going for your next surgery. So Every five to seven years next surgery. Yeah, no one talk no one talks about the post surgery. Yeah. So if you're able to control their pain and help them through that rehab process, people typically do better with those herniations. Hmm. And not but only you're that, right, they act on pain. They have overwhelming and I say overwhelming, I'm talking hundreds of people I've taken care of over the years that have not had to have back surgery because of a combination of epidural, other injection technique, and rehab. I'm one of them. I mean, I have no disc between the last two levels. I'm bone on bone. I never had a surgery, never had an epidural, never had a procedure, but I know mechanics. And so I think there's a lot of people making decisions in duress, you know, and you know, what are you going to do? Do you think and it has lack to do of knowledge. With, do you, yeah, I was about to say that. Do you think it's 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 a combination of emotions, lack of knowledge, and then also confidence of being curious? Well, I think there's just, over the years, you always hear, oh, you have a herniation, you have to get surgery. Oh, you have a meniscus tear, you have to get surgery. You have a labral tear, you have to get surgery. Hey, well, yeah, surgery. like if you think about like the team, like, yeah. oh, what'd you get? A meniscus tear. Oh, what do you have to do for that? Oh, surgery. surgery. Everybody just assumes that. And so that's where teaching and empowering people like he was talking about is important to let them know there are other options. At least seek out an opinion it's about like, it, a non-surgical like opinion. It's like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. How did Pepsi yeah. get market share out of Coca-Cola? <laughs> and yeah. a lot of it's marketing like you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the best doctors may not be the best doctors, but they're marketed as such. No question. Mm. And you have to walk in clinics just to get you into the system, and you never even see a doctor. You just see a PA that insists on x-rays every time. I won't see it if you don't well, do how do you know how do you know if you're dealing with a really good doctor is there a way to know or is it just gut, I think gut word feeling? of mouth is the best way I know and, that they and, have uh, I know they have like on Google there's like rate your doctor and stuff like that you know, but a lot I mean, of these really things, I gotta be honest with you a lot of these things are fake a lot of these things um, the hospital systems have people doing I mean the best way is word of mouth people yeah. that are talented they get known man yeah and people know who who are talented and so, well, you think know, about what we're doing right now. I'm having you on the podcast. I mean, that's word of mouth. I mean, that's an example. Right. So we have an amazing town. There's a reason why Shriners made this the World Center for Orthopedics. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing town. Uh, having said that, there's some people that don't do the optimal in certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, it has become hyper-specialized. Yeah. Um, and uh, just because you're at one of the greater universities... Uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're talented. It just means, you know, you signed under their contract. (laughs) Well, I think it's important with teams, too. Um, Whether it's collegiate teams, whether it's professional teams, you know, they pay for the privilege to take care of those patients. It's not always the best doctors taking care of those people. There's a contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Mercy paid how much? Three million? I don't know. For the Cardinals? I have no idea. I think it was like three million. But most of the people that get injured don't go to them. They'll go to Paletta still or Mm -hmm. somebody else. Yeah. So... I, I think, uh, you know, but the average person, well, I'm going to, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, well, yeah, but that's I, what people love, that prestige. Well, she is seeing but, the team doctor. But I feel like it's about results, right? That's all. That, that, that's that, that's yeah. what we want. We want results. Like, I want you back on the field. Let's try to get this D1 dream going. And um, who cares about the name? Let's figure out who the best person is. I think, I think yeah. a database should be created by Rawlings. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Rawlings will actually listen to this I, right now. I, I think Rawlings listen to me. <laughs> Let's be objective they're, and scientists about this. Let's take care of our boys. They're probably gonna think, "Oh, well, we just do gloves." <laughs> <laughs> I would like a free glove. Yes. <laughs> um, steroids. Yes. Anabolic or yeah, cortical? J- by the way, we haven't even gotten to the heat of this conversation. And it's already been a fantastic conversation. So it's going to be one of those things where I don't know where we're going to end up on this podcast. Okay. But I want to make sure that we hit the basics and then probably have you guys back on to go more into specific details. Because we've hit a lot of topics right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally on the second question in segment one. (laughs) So, (laughs) And I'm hoping that everyone has enjoyed this conversation so far. Um, But explain steroids. What... steroids and then also I want to go into cortisone injections sure so steroids come in two form anabolic building up steroids testosterone so like A-Rod Roger Clemens Jose Canseco you name it Mark McGuire Barry Bonds and and there's girls in there too so anyway (laughs) (laughs) that is true it's true it's true it is very true some Olympians yes yes. there are some Olympians in there so there's anabolic steroids that like testosterone to build and help us generate uh, a better girth and all these things. And there's corticosteroids. Mm-hmm. Corticosteroids are created by our adrenal glands and our kidneys, and we all have them. And they're regulatory. They keep our bodies in balance. Mm-hmm. They keep our, our body regulations with our thyroid. And everything. So it works as a balancing mechanism, and it's a potent anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And so we can create corticosteroid analogs like Depomedrol, Aristocort catalog, lots of names. Cortisone. They're all cortisone. So this word of cortisone, cortisone, big term that covers all of these corticosteroids. They're all cortisone. So cortisone steroids. Steroids. That's it. it. Okay. So what do steroids do? They suppress. They diminish inflammation. They knock down all the signals of inflammation. And that's how it brings down inflammation. Bringing down inflammation, no swelling and pressure on mechanoreceptors, no pressure on neural receptors, no pain. So inflation, uh, I'm going down to economics. Uh, and um, when you are, when you have inflammation, what is the body, what is that signaling to the body? Why, why, because it seems like everything that we've talked about, inflammation is not, a, it feels like it's not a good thing. Actually, it is. It is the way the body heals. But uncontrolled inflammation is pain and dysfunction and swelling to where you can't do what you need to do in life. And just because you take care of swelling doesn't mean you take care of the problem. And so then the, what are you doing? Then you take how many steroid shots are you going to get? And what, what bad sides do corticosteroids have? We can go into that, whether it's losing your bone mineral, osteopenia, whether it's weakening your collagen fibers, susceptible to more tears, diminishing your, uh, your uh, cartilage from regenerating, not helping your meniscus. That's- so is that what the pitcher's feeling inflammation on the next day where they call it the pitcher hangover? That's it. That you're basically, when you throw a baseball the next day after you've thrown 80 pitches, 90 pitches, that's inflammation, inflammation coming in hard. hard. And the only way to reduce that inflammation is you would recommend drinking a lot of water. Tons of water. I do IV micronutrient therapy. I think that's the smartest way to go. Put it right in the vein, just... But, mean like, but, but without like... Ice. Yeah, but making it not like cost a lot to where I'm getting... Absolutely. So... Well, I'm I, talking for a professional athlete. If I was a professional, I'd be like, put an idea. Yeah. But, but yeah, for the average Joe, ice it. Because the the thing that is taught is that, oh, next day you got to go run. And I thought right away, like, 
that doesn't really make sense. Why am I running? Doing yeah, scenario. yeah. So like, yeah, you're moving your shoulder. And I in pro ball, I didn't get the answer until our PT guy said um, we were talking about how to recover. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably go run. He's like, why are you running? And I was like, well, that's what I was taught. He's like, you don't need to run the next day. And I was like, why do we do it? He's like, well, if you think about it, when you run and you work out, it's going to draw more. You're going to want more water. So technically, when you run, you're going you're gonna to sweat out, and then you're going to drink more water. But if you just drink a whole bunch of water, you fix the problem. And I was like, no way. Why does anyone say that? He's like, I have no idea. So after a start, um, if, someone, if you have a pitcher the next day, you want them to drink a whole bunch of water right when they get off the field. I want them to ice while they're on the field. I want them to ice after, and they're going to drink a ton of water. If you, hit, if you use ice, an ice massage... You do that timely way, you won't let the inflammation get out of control. But once you, those signals go out, Spiker, it's like corralling kittens. You ain't going to get ahead of it. You ain't. So you're pretty much screwed. Well, you're going to have a longer duration of soreness than you need to. If you are smart enough, in between, throw an ice bag on so it. So literally right after I get off the field on Bam. a start, ice, ice the right crap away. out then, of it. And then how long should that I hold that ice on there? As long as I do it that night. Man, I just do it that whole night. 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off? I, I, I'm a 20 guy, but yeah. Okay, you're a 20 guy. Or use guy. it. Yeah. Oh, or I use there. a recirculator. Boom. Strap it on. Watch TV. Oh, yeah. Well, they, and it just recirculates, baby. Those are, those are pretty sweet. Love it. Yeah, I mean, they're awesome. not, you can get an eBay, so I don't know, like 200 bucks. So yeah, it's not expensive. Yeah. These devices aren't expensive, but I got to tell you what. Far more pragmatic. It's a pain in the butt to get up every, you know, 40 minutes to make a new ice bag. Yeah, it is. You know, and so it is a pain in the ass. Bam, put it in there, strap it on. It's golden and it all night long. You don't have to do nothing. Go to sleep. It's right there all night long. It works. Then how much water should you intake? As much as you can. You can't it, it well, you can get you, toxic on water, yeah, you but can. it's super <laughs> super hard. Do you, do you have you do you ever hear that story of uh it was a radio show where they did like a water challenge and they weren't thinking it through and someone got um, yeah. yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Well, but I mean, the point of the point of this whole conversation is making sure that you drink a lot of water and you're intaking and so water, would, not so, not tea. Yeah, not, not tea. Not 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 soda. Goiterator or whatever. Water. Yeah, because if you drink caffeine, if there's any caffeine, your kidneys are going to dump. Yeah, what? you're going you're going to dump right away. No question. So you're not going to have that water in your system. So and literally, you should be you should be caffeine free. From the start at until the next day, right? I think, yeah. Caffeine and an athlete, I don't think is the smartest way to go. Yeah, so energy drinks are like a no I, way Horrible. Out. Yeah, they're not good. But I don't know. We got a country. We love it. <laughs> well, everyone loves the loves bangs and <laughs> the amps and everything like that. I know, I know. But yeah, as a performing athlete, you're absolutely right. Limit or be thoughtful about your caffeine intake. It is depleting you. Uh, think about, are you drinking something that's really hydrating you or something that is kind of depleting you? <laughs> so what's your time frame before the inflammation sets in? Well, inflammation sets in from the time of injury. The, and when you're Well, pitching, you're, not, you're not injured, though. You're throw- but you are. Every professional pitcher, the only reason why you throw that hard is you are functionally dislocating. Every time you throw, you're dislocating and relocating, getting micro-tearing to your capsule. That is a pitcher's uh, life. Got you. That's yeah, why they're yeah. so swollen. That's why they're inflamed. Just because you don't tear something doesn't mean you're not injuring it. They're injuring it. Their capsule's getting thick. 
And then after a while, they'll start adjusting. And then they start pinching out the super spinach and boom. Next, you know, you start fraying underneath your chromium. Next, you know, then you do have a rotator cuff tear. Mm. So, but, but make no mistake. Pitchers are freaks of nature. Yeah. They are truly, and if you look at it in slow-mo, and I think you've seen this, they are dislocating mm-hmm. and, and getting it done over and over and over. And then when they come right here, the deceleration, that's what's killing them. They yeah. got all this momentum. Decel is where you get hurt. Yeah, the cock up, the cock up, and decel. Yep. Those are the two number one things. And so, bam, you got this horse, now I got a decel, and that's the biggest thing. In my opinion, decel is everything. And that's where you're getting this valgus strain to your yeah. elbow. And if your shoulder's not picking up and you're rotating forward, you're starting to throw with your lat, which yeah. a lot of guys do, especially mm-hmm. when you get it fatigued, this guy's going to eat it. And wherever the symptoms show up doesn't mean that's where it started. And that's where I tell people, again, back to the chain idea, look at the whole chain. Because they're coming to you because their elbow's breaking down, but it's their shoulder. Yeah. And makes sense. I see it all the time. That makes a lot of sense. The knees. <laughs> So then what about Advil and those? I think they're valuable tools. I, uh, so I, would, do I, you, would you take, like, cause you see like guys like youth athletes and high school athletes where they pitch the next day and then like, um, a coach, we, we try not to do this, but a coach will end up sending them out to play shortstop or center field. And then they're like, Oh, I'll just take a whole bunch of Advil and they'll be good to go. For younger people. I really think keeping it pure and without drugs is important. If they're needing drugs, are you overtraining them? Are you training them appropriately? What's going wrong? Because up up to 18, I really, I really just don't see the need for kids to have to look to a even an over-counter drug for assistance. That that speaks to me. Let's investigate what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, as an adult athlete and a performing athlete, and you got your scholarship. Yeah, two uh, Advil or two Aleve and, uh, before the game. Mm-hmm. Don't let the inflammation cascade begin. Yeah. That would be advantageous. Now, but that's so tough for an athlete. Hey. Like for a youth athlete or high school athlete and say, yeah, you, you just got to suck it up, buttercup. I, I'm with you. So uh, maybe, maybe it's more of like, all right, they just can't throw the next day. They, they're going to have to or just I, hit. Spiker, they don't even use ice. I see it all the time. I mean, we go to these games and these select teams, and it did, the basic things aren't even adhered to. Yeah, well, the the coach will say, "All right, go run your poles after you throw." And, I'm like, and I always think, like, why are we running poles right now? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. He just he was just using his legs out there on the mound, or we're gonna go have him run poles. I don't I don't get it. And I, and I guess it goes back to well, we want him to drink more water. It's like, well, that doesn't guarantee the kid's gonna drink water if he's if his if his lifestyle habits is I'm gonna drink soda and drink a bang we're that that's my lifestyle and that now we're back to square one which is you got to drink the h2o got to you got to respect what ice can do for an athlete and I think that's what coaches he's, uh, I, I could create a real nice primer for all little coaches and such just to, here here's some basic principles all you need to know Water is your friend, pure water. Here's how you use ice. Here's how it works best. You know, I, I just, there's some simple things you can teach kid early on. It'll be so water, valuable. But water doesn't have the fancy label it's not fancy. and it doesn't have the, the fizz to it. We'll get, we'll get him some alkaline water. I <laughs> Sparkling water, maybe. Maybe something along those lines. So, cortisone injections and steroid injections, yes. is that just literally like. Hey, 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 you yeah. know what? Is that gallons. just a, is that just an upgrade of 
your Advil? Advil yes. That's just your yes. upgrade of yeah, your Advil. It is. It's at, it's yes. And now is there a limit to how many times someone can get one of those shots? Well, if, if you're a smart clinician and you really looking at that person carefully, you'll need to know if they're diabetic and other things, particularly mm-hmm. you do not want to screw up their other problems. My opinion is if you need more than two injections uh, or definitely three injections into one region in a calendar year, something's screwing up. Yeah. That is just excessive and unnecessary and something's goofy. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing we tell our patients when we get ready to inject. We say, this is not a cure. We're using this as a tool to get from point A to point B. We diminish inflammation. It stays with you for several weeks. But by the time that wears off, you should have corrected the mechanical reason why that got there. Yeah. So it's, and it's, so you shouldn't need we're gonna shots give you two over and over and over again. So it's a, time, it's a time frame. You're basically opening the gates to be able to do certain activities so that it's you're a, able to correct the there you go to it correct is a, the thing that's actually hurting you nailed it it's a stepping stone i put them in suspended animation for two months you're going to feel great you know why because of me not because of you all right and then they're going to say and oh then, i can go out and throw 90 right. pitches <laughs> <laughs> and i can play three rounds of golf yeah i can play yeah. I, can, I can do whatever i want right now is that what you're saying that's what they, what they, but we tell them you're going to feel great it's because of me but when i see you back in the next six weeks you better be able to reproduce for me five single leg hops. You better show me a two pound weight, 40 reps, three yep. sets. And when you can do that, you control weight bearing forces. So that's what I do with people. It's like two, three times your body weight goes through your knee with each step yeah. when walking. So you're quad mass and you can't even do this. So you're not controlling weight bearing forces. You're going to blow up again and again. So I will do this injection. You will do these exercises. You'll prove you do them because you're going to be this strong. And you because won't they them. wouldn't be able to do it if they had the inflammation in their body. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And sometimes you get to a point where doing the thing to help you hurts too much. Hurt, hurts too much and you can't do it. So basically you're taking down the, the imaginary wall, brick wall, so that they're able to walk through and they're able to do the items that they need to do. Exactly. But I make it clear to them in no uncertain terms, I prefer not to use steroid because of these reasons. And this is what I'm doing with a steroid. This is why you're going to feel good. But don't fool yourself. Because you're manipulating the body. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) He's not just a physician. He's a magician. Wow. Combination of the cortisone and the PRP injection. That is is contradictory. It is diametrically opposed. Well, just to let you know, I Googled that. And that's an actual thing out there. And it's... uh, Remarkably stupid. <laughs> is it what, what what kind of practice is doing that? What's the specialty doing that? I don't know, but that's yeah. literally I typed in PRP uh-huh. and it popped up that cortisone was in that in that search. In the cocktail with it. In the search. Oh, well, well it might be that they're talking about two different modes. But if somebody but, there have been people But what I'm saying though is that like that's kind of scary that I can type that into Google search. And PRP and cortisone come up together. So we won't even let our patients mm. take anti-inflammatory for two and a half to three weeks before and then following the procedure because those are going to suppress what we, we want to do with the PRP. Right. The PRP needs to help but the his body point, inflame. His point is steroid is being equated as the uh, same as regenerative. But it's not. But, but he's saying he's Googling it and, and steroid Well, that's why people it. need an education. Well, that's right. And that's my point, though, because if cortisone, if you, if you have been around the medical field, cortisone makes a lot of sense, right? But if I am a person that just knows baseball or if I'm a person that just knows business or marketing, you name the thing, right? I don't know what cortisone means. 
and I don't know what PRP means. And then a doctor says, all right, we're going to do PRP and cortisone. Sounds good. Is that going to fix me? Yep, sure is. That's kind of scary. Or it's the same thing uh, with surgery. Well, we're going we're gonna to do a surgery. Well, how, long's, how, long's the, how long am I going to be out? Well, you're going to be about six months. Is that the smallest time frame? Yep, that's it. Oh, boy. That, that, that's, what, that's where I'm getting at. So, like, explain. Like, it makes sense to me. After we've had this conversation, cortisone and PRP just don't. They're not one and the same. They're, they're diametrically opposed. They're, yeah. They're, the correlation is literally none, right? Agreed. So, cortisone takes down the inflammation. Correct. PRP actually fixes the situation. It promotes the healing and that fixes it. Yes, sir. Yes. So if I combine the two items together, mm-hmm. what happens? You, your stem cells die. You're suppressing your stem cells just like the chondrocytes when you put a steroid in your knee. Wait, wait. So we just talked about... so Steroid suppresses. But stem cells are in there? They're in your body. In your body. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Got you. Okay. So the chondrocytes are the cells that make more cartilage and meniscus. Yes. You know, become suppressed. So and aren't, aren't enhanced to, to multiply and grow. So the PRP, okay. So PRP just brings in the stem cells. It makes things grow. Makes things grow. So then when you bring in the cortisone. It makes things stop. And there, and there is a confusion. The body's like, what the hell do you want right now? That's it. You want me to do this or do you want me to do that? So then what happens? Just nothing? Well, if you use them together, uh, I would, I've never done it because it's ridiculous, but... I don't know what to say. I guess the person would feel amazing. I think people would feel better because of the cortisone. Yeah, because they'd feel amazing, but they don't know if that thing's fixed or not. But I think you just stole somebody's money for PRP. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the snort. Uh, but, but I just, I don't, I, you know, God. Yeah, I, I, it makes zero sense to use cortisone with PRP. Zero, zero. They do different things. And I'm not against steroid because I told you, I do epidurals. I do, I do tons of procedures, and I thank God because uh, steroid has its place. Mm-hmm. But be thoughtful. What tool are you using? You know, maybe I don't need a chainsaw. Maybe all I need is a little hacksaw. Why am I getting all crazy here? I don't know. But I think sometimes people don't use tools in their armamentarium in a precise way. Mm-hmm. And when all you have is a hammer, the world's a nail. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. And so Ta- MRI, oh, well. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That's a bucket handle there. Kataka said that on the. He's the chiropractor that I brought on. He said. Exactly, oh yeah. He said, he said exactly that, which is, uh, there's a nail. I'm a hammer. There's only one thing I can do. That's what it is. Yeah. And then 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 egos get involved, and some people don't like to share patients, and they get onerous. It's like knowing that this person has a different set of tools and might be able to add value. Yeah. It's just, so, so it gets very complicated, and that's where it's so important. So important, and I put a lot of time on my website to educate patients. Get some knowledge. Mm-hmm. Get some basic knowledge. You can email me and tell me I'm a liar and I don't have my facts down. I'd love to hear it. But actually, I don't. <laughs> but do it if I'm wrong. I don't want to be wrong. But there, there's knowledge, and it's not hard. Yeah. You know, there, people can learn enough to have enough common sense to guide them, ask the right questions, and pursue what resonates. I, what I'm getting from this whole conversation is you got to be really good at curiosity. Like curiosity really has to rule when you get into that office, that doctor's office and be very assertive with your questions and not be afraid of, Oh, just because he has the DR in front of him. Absolutely. I can still ask the questions. If anybody gets insulted or feels you're challenging their authority, walk out, run. 
Don't walk. <laughs> okay. That's an ego. Yeah. That's an ego that's going to be a problem. Like, how dare you? I'm the one that has yeah. the, I have the degree. Well, I, I went to little school. Yes. Okay. I went to school too. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. But it's, it's just like, and it's in all professions. You know, I've. Oh, it's, it, it's very it's true. In all professions. It's very true. Whether it's lawyers, whether it's whatever, it's, it's in all professions. But when anybody in any profession mm -hmm. is so above explaining their thought process or how they plan to or serve they use, you. Or they use very, <laughs> very complicated words and are not able to simplify it to a point where like, oh, that actually makes, makes a lot sense. of sense. I agree. Like, I feel like when someone uses a lot of complicated words, they're. They're hiding. They're hiding something that they might not know. That's just my opinion. I don't know. If that's I, I true think or not, you nailed it. I think all insecurities. Uh, when people get to a certain age, they hate to admit. They'd like to believe they know everything because I'm an adult and I got a mortgage. And and I, I totally agree. I think people sometimes are masquerading behind a false knowledge. And that's and we see that in baseball. Like coaches will do that. They'll they'll explain things in a very complicated manner rather than playing the man, playing the player. And saying, okay, does this person actually really understand me? Or is it, does he have a glazed look over his face and walking out of the cage and just felt like he just got wrecked? <laughs> right. yeah. That's why when we, for example, your shoulder, when yes. we see a shoulder patient, we take the model and we show them how a shoulder works. And the minute you show them, they're like, oh, because we are absolutely makes sense. Because we're visual people. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of it's posturing. You show them how they sit like this and how that rose, rolls the shoulder forward and how when you go to raise your arm, you're going to pinch underneath the acromion. They're pinch. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'll tell so you then right when now, you I tell them to stretch their pec out to get their shoulder back, they're like, that makes I sense. I had no idea where the rotator cuff or the labrum was when I played. Mm -hmm. That's amaz amazing how many people say rotator cuff versus cup. There's yeah. no cup to a rotator. Oh, the, people actually cuff. say cup? Yeah. yeah. They say yeah. cup. Cup. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I've had coaches say that, too. Oh, that's but you know what's beautiful, what's unique, what needs to be understood by trainers and everybody? Shoulder is a unique, unique joint. It, it, there's just an implied socket. There's no socket. There's no bony integrity. There is no anatomical integrity. It's a usually a performing athlete, 18-pound arm. An arm weighs about 18 pounds usually mm -hmm. for an adult male. 18 pounds is being dangled and flung. Amazing. <laughs> On four freakishly <laughs> small muscles, and then you when know, you put it that way, it's kind of like crazy why we're doing this. <laughs> and then the scapular stabilizers—if they're not in balance with that—you're going to you're going to ask too much of the cuff. It's going to ride high. Like everything makes sense. It's all Newtonian. Yeah. It's not, this is not hard. Uh, it's just—I don't know why people are making it complicated. It's just not. You know, there is a very discreet way the body has worked for millennia, and millennia. God made a machine that was pretty resilient. Yeah. And you know what? If it hurts, it will substitute without you knowing it. You got to have a brain to know, hey, I'm rolling that shoulder forward or whatever. I don't even know if I want to go down segment two or segment three yet because no. this conversation has been awesome and I, I want to bring you guys back on. We're already at the um, 90 minute mark. Um, what, what's your. What's your closing pitches on this? Just to give you guys a thought that, that this podcast, we have a. Uh, basically an ending statement from everybody going into um, uh, ending this episode and going on to the next one. Cause I do want to bring you guys on. What is your closing statement of this podcast episode? Mine would be make sure you're educated. Cause you were saying how people are scared. They don't really understand. They mm -hmm. make decisions out of pain. And so we're huge on education and empowering our patients. Mm -hmm. And like you said, our goal is to become obsolete. If we do our job well, you shouldn't need us. Yeah. So we're all about proactiveness, not necessarily just 
injury and post-injury, let's teach our patients how not to have an injury. Yeah. And then I think it's important too that um, if you see a surgeon, they say you need surgery, don't be afraid to seek a second opinion. Get a non-surgical opinion. Don't get necessarily another surgical opinion because we talked about hammer and nail. Oh, that's the same thing, yeah. And so seek a non-surgical opinion from somebody that is a physiatrist, that somebody does this all day long, every day for now 25 years. Um, That's an excellent point because her point was really good because we have a clinic where we see people before they have dysfunction, whatever their sport is, whether it's soccer or whatever. Actually, we have a whole bevy of pregnant ladies. If you had back pain, da-da-da-da, back surgery, see us before you get pregnant. Our exam and the way we look at you kinesiologically, I can tell you where you're going to break down. I can tell you how to fix it before it gets broke. He can take a patient and then not tell them anything and do an exam and tell them where they're hurting. That's the important physical, the physical exam, exam is everything. If they don't touch you, how do they have an opinion? Yeah, that's true. Exam is everything. If you're I just, just looking at a picture exam. and not examining the patient. Don't treat an MRI, treat a human being. That's a really good point. Not getting a second opinion, but not getting a surgical second opinion. Yeah, you'll hear the same thing. You'll hear Trust it. me. It's like an you end up putting yourself into an ultimate echo chamber. That's what you do. So like when the doctor says, yeah, you can get a second opinion, but I'll tell you it's going to be the same one. Well, no, no kidding. It's the same guy. <laughs> that, that is a really, I've never thought about it that way. So when you get a second opinion, make sure that it's a non-surgical second opinion. And somebody with a skill set too. I yeah, mean, they have to have a skill set. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't go down. Yeah. I can't go downtown St. Louis and ask Billy yeah. walking to the Cardinals game. Hey, what do you think? What do you think of, what do you think of my labrum right now? <laughs> if you buy five of these pretzels, I'll tell you. <laughs> of the preference, we'd prefer to see the patient right off the bat with an acute injury instead of them seeing somebody else first. Cause then you have to break that mindset. Oh, oh yeah. I have a tear. Well, I have to have surgery. It's very hard to break them out of that mindset that they need a surgery because they get feared into it as i shared you earlier in the podcast yeah and because you know i guess what people want their market share or what but it's just it's just ridiculous people are jumping to surgery way too quick and i, I don't think it's hard uh to get empowered with some basic knowledge and ask good questions like you said be confident unto yourself don't be intimidated yeah. and if a doctor is intimidated by you asking questions you know what they're not much of a doctor they're there to serve you, to mm-hmm. educate you, empower you. Being a servant. And, and provide uh, informed consent, right? Yeah. And so when, if, they, if they also start fearing, like, well, that, that meniscus will never be torn. It's the tear is still going to be there. I was like, what? Did you examine me? I'm telling you, I'm still doing sprints. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think common sense uh, is all you really need, to be quite honest, and get opinions from, from more than one people. And then you'll find what resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll make the best decision for you. So is that your closing pitch? My closing pitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. My closing pitch is yeah, what? The body's amazingly resilient. Um, I don't think balances lot, everything. I don't think a lot of people understand like how resilient it is, and like I how don't think they do either. My dad and um, when I was first starting this idea of like I wanted to go chase a dream. Like he, he was an D1 athlete or D2, they're now D1, but he was a D2 athlete, ended up getting a shot for a tryout for the NFL. Didn't make it, obviously, because um, I'd be being a <laughs> football player than a baseball player. Hanging yeah. out with... You know, hanging out, hanging out with... Uh, Brady. Yeah, hanging out with all the guys. Isn't that spiking with Giselle and Brady? Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> but he, he said it something very impactful, which was you will be surprised at what you are capable of doing. When you get to the point where you feel like you're about to break, you probably got another 100% left in you. 
And I was like, holy cow, I never thought about that way. And he was, he was absolutely right. Where I literally I was dying. I was like, man, I don't want to do another hill. I don't want to do it. And literally I got my second win. I got that runner's high, whatever you want to call it. And I, I worked out for another 90 minutes. So it's, it is impressive what the body is capable of doing. I don't think a lot of people understand that. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. I tell everybody, if you, if you get to a point in life where you just stop, you've stopped in everything. You're a freshman, you're a senior. You're a big dumbass that knows nothing, and next thing you know, you're like king whatever, and then you find a better crowd to compete with, and then mm-hmm. guess what? You're a freshman again. Yeah. And people that are hungry accept that. That's life. Yeah. If you want to get better, you're not afraid to say, ah, oh, wow, that dude's smoking me here. How's he doing it? And you get better. There is. There's reserve there. Human body is amazingly resilient. The anatomy is amazingly resilient. Figure out ways to create balance. And I, I think this harks to me to the, what you had in your podcast about Japanese players. I told you, you genetics and life, you can't change. Mm-hmm. Slip strips will happen. Your genetics are. But when you train somebody in a balanced way, then you're going to find out you just aren't meant to do it, but you're not going to kill them. But in America, it's like, I don't even want to talk to you until you throw above 90. Mm-hmm. So you put the you put the performance parameter ahead of yep. technique, yeah, and that and you wonder why they can't last for a few innings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why. So we we put the outcome ahead of, of the what? athlete, yeah. and you might have to stick that athlete and say, "You got a heart of gold, your 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 intensity, your work ethic, and you're a team player, but you just don't have the genetic son, yeah, or ma'am, or whatever." Well, so, and it's also like the environment that you're in. Like I'm so big on environments. Like if you're surrounded by an environment that's toxic or you're um, somewhere that's like, oh, all about surgery or all about you got to throw hard um, or one guy that we always talk about that says on Twitter, well, if, you, if you're not a D1 athlete or want to play, you have the talent to play college, you shouldn't play this game. And I totally disagree with that where you never know what could happen. Right. When you're in an environment that's very positive and is looking for the best best way to get you to where you want to go, uh, the sky's the limit. I'm so big on that. And I think a lot of people forget that when you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people that are talking about negative stuff yes. or complaining, that really affects your mindset. Everything, man. Yeah. When you get to be a performing athlete, you're a professional NHL, NFL, whatever, you're capable. What separates you? Well, and those, and those guys, when, when you're around a whole bunch of pro guys, like MLB, um, NFL, those guys think differently. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, it is a different atmosphere. Uh-huh. And then when you're in an atmosphere that's an independent baseball, that's like, that's like night and day. Like, they're, they're two totally different mindsets. Because what happened was, was that I played independent baseball, right? But I was with a team that had three um, ex-MLB guys. Then I got sent to a team that was all former college guys that were just salty that they didn't get drafted or they got axed from their from affiliated baseball. The conversations of the MLB guys were totally different from the guys that were salty about not making it. And the guys that were MLB, they were very humble and they talked about things in a very professional manner. They yeah. knew how to have fun. Don't get me wrong. They knew how to have fun but they talked about it completely differently and they were more hopeful than they were negative. And I feel like that's the same thing in different categories in life, especially when you're talking about someone that's trying to get back into the sport after an injury. When you surround yourself with people like, Hey, you can still get there. 
Don't worry about it. This is just a setback. We got to do this, 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 and this, and just keep on trucking. You're going to end up getting back onto that field. You, you nailed it. But you know what the problem is? Hmm. Too many people. You got managers, you got lawyers, you mm-hmm. get your agent, yep. and they're planning out your career, your endorsements, and then you got a wife, and you're not home enough, and <laughs> it's overwhelming. <laughs> well, and you start seeing your boys start going trips, going to like London or whatever. You you're, you get a little bit of FOMO, and you're like, man, why am I even doing this? Yeah. So it is a, it is a mindset. It well, is. We talked about that this morning, just in baseball in general, because guys used to play for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's not play for the love of the game much anymore. It, it it's definitely is. Yeah. You know, I remember growing up, my own Corky Bowerman's dad. Money is tearing up baseball. And I thought he was just a crazy old coot. But I'm getting it. Because, you know, like Bobby Plager, I knew him. And enjoyed his fans. Truly mm. loved him. Yeah. Would stop, have a beer with you, thank you, mm-hmm. write, autograph, no, nothing. Really, I mean, just... Love of the game. Tell you stories about him and Barkley and mm-hmm. how they plan out their little shenanigans. And, yep. But now it's it's celebrity. America's obsession with celebrity. And it's like, dude, in Corey League, if I didn't know where to go and the ball came to me, you know how many laps I'd have to run? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think college athletics, it's going to change after the whole um, name, image, name, image, and likeness. It's going to change dramatically. Which I think it's a win for the athletes because if you think about the big yeah. money, that's a whole different conversation. But I do think college athletics does have the purity still in it um, right now. Well, they're paying the athletes now. Yeah, but I mean, like the Division Three, Division Two, yeah. the smaller Division Ones. There is a definite like even junior college baseball. Yeah, that like those guys are playing it for the love and because I'll tell you right now, you never experienced junior college baseball. It is. You're four to a room in a hotel and just you and your boys and you're trying to win four games on a weekend and literally Enid, Oklahoma. Do you know what Enid, Oklahoma is like? Uh, no, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's how it sounds. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's probably one of the best times in my life because you really get to know who you are. And then also you get to develop relationships with people that I never had with professional baseball. So it's interesting. Anyways. We are way overdue on this podcast. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, thank you for having us. Just to let everyone know, we are on a Sunday. So thank you guys for coming in on a Sunday because I know that you guys are super busy with your practice. Um, where can they find you um, and how can they reach out to you? Well, I'm on, on the interweb. Uh, <laughs> I'm on com. the line. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my, my company is called Performance Rehabilitation and Regeneration. Mm-hmm. We're located right uh, in Old Ballast Road across from the golf course in Creep mm-hmm. Core, uh, 994 Well. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, web stuff, uh, I'm pretty easy accessible. Mm-hmm. I can get people in pretty quick. So, so just. Google your name too if you if they want to. Raviadova.com yep. uh, is my website. and then Because uh, people that are outside of St. Louis, because we do have people oh. that are listening outside of St. Louis. So, yeah. That's the best yeah. way. Yep. And it's a Ravi, R A V I. There's a Rajiv, not the Ravi. <laughs> Don't go after the Rajiv. <laughs> yeah, you will, not, you will not get a sports medicine situation. <laughs> and then Yadava's Y A D A V A. Cool. Yep. All right. Perfect. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Um, guys, this this episode of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms. You can follow me on Twitter at Spiker Helms. You can also email me, Spiker at RawlingsTigers.com. Hopefully, we'll have Dave back in the saddle. He's out with one of our teams in Kansas City um, trying to get them to win a championship at a tournament. Um, I will be out next week as well. So 
Um, we're in and out of this this podcast life right now, but we will be back um, consistently as we get into the fall and into the winter. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for watching or listening or both to The Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio. Or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five star preferably. And we value your opinion and this allows us to reach more people. Thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.